Hello, it's me, Peter, and today I'm talking to you about cricket. Specifically, I'll be reviewing the first and the second international T20 between the West Indies and England. Hot off the heels of the devastating Ashes series, England were back at it again. Albeit with a mostly new squad, Sam Billings being the exception. The opportunity was there to lift the spirits of the England fan base and remind us all that we're actually quite good at the short form of the game. Did Morgan and co lift our solemn moods? Well, kinda? On with the show. So, we begin with this weekend gone's game on Saturday, where England were asked to bat first at the world-famous Kensington Oval in Barbados. Before we get to the cricket, though, is anyone else immensely jealous of anyone that's actually out there at the moment watching the cricket? I mean, it's cold, dark, mostly miserable here in London, and people are watching cricket on jet skis at the beach in Barbados. If there was ever proof that life is not fair, I think you don't need to look much further than right here, right now, in that game. Anyway, my moaning aside, England's squad, as I've said previously, was completely new, apart from Sam Billings, who, had, after driving all those miles in Australia, had flown to Sydney from Hobart, had then flown to Vegas, then flown to Miami, then flown to Barbados for the game. What an exception, exceptional man to fly halfway around the world for English cricket. It's a good job he got a game. We'll talk about how he got on in a bit. But as I said, it's completely new. We had a bit of an old school mix with a new school feel into it. We have people like Jason Roy, Adil Rashid, Owen Morgan, obviously as captain, Chris Jordan, and then new people coming in to replace those that had been in the Ashes tour, but would have normally played the T20 side as well. People like Mark Wood, Ben Stokes, Johnny Bairstow. So we had people like Harry Brook, George Garton, and we had Payne, and to an extent as well, Mahmood coming in as a kind of newbie into the mix as well. Really fresh, really exciting, really curious to see how these guys go, particularly as we go into the last three games of the series coming up. West Indies squad was a quite an overhaul from the T20 side that had failed in their defence of the World Cup holders title. They have some experience in there still, their captain in Kyron Pollard, Nicholas Poran as well, Darren Bravo, but they've got some newcomers in there, King, Shepard, an exciting prospect, Odeon Smith, that can bowl at 90 miles an hour. And as we've already seen from these first two matches, hit the ball out of the park from the get-go. Let's have a look at England's batting. They were put in by Kyron Pollard and asked to bat first on that Saturday evening. And let's be honest, when you're four wickets down with inside the power play, you're always on the back foot. We saw that in the World Cup time and time again, and it's still evident here when England found themselves basically on the back foot before they'd even got going, not, along, not alone in the game, but in the series as well. Morgan, I completely agree with what he said after the game, where he said that the side didn't adapt to the pitch. They didn't try and hang around 
see the ball off, see the first few balls off, and then go on the attack. There was a lot of six and out, four and out, some really poor choices. And I think that's what was the most disappointing thing for England, is that their shot choices, particularly at the top of the order, were not good enough. Sam Billings, like I said earlier on, well done, mate, for, for travelling all that way to get to the West Indies. But that trundle down the pitch, nowhere near, not even in frame when the bales were taken off. As uh, I heard someone on TalkSport say, it was stumped, but it effectively could have been run out how far down the pitch he was. Um, James, Vinch, James Vince hitting some great shots and then popping one out into the covers to be taken fairly easily. He'll be really gutted with that. And Dawson's judgment on the run, the slip is unlucky, but the run was never there. Chris Jordan, though, proved exactly what England needed to do. What, England, what Owen Morgan talks about afterwards, of seeing the, a couple of balls out, recognising the conditions that you were in, and then going on, on the attack. His 20-odd that he hit at the end, when England were on the back foot anyway, in, in a later game, as we would see from the Sunday fixture, was really important for putting England into a big score. But here it was just for taking them past 100. The shot of the day, though, for me was from Chris Jordan where he hit it into the leg side, the one that carried all the way for six, smacking against the scoreboard. The sound of the ball off the bat is what made that my favourite shot of the day. It was just an absolute whip, gunfire crack, crack kind of sound as it hit the bat. England, though, were all out for 103. And you know what happened next. If you're here watching this video, you know the kind of attitude that was on social media afterwards. The explosion. So many England fans, so used to, particularly after this last month, so used to England failing miserably, forgetting that, of course, actually we're, we're World Cup semi-finalists in T20, World Cup champions in 50 over, but just so used to seeing us fail miserably that the same daggers were out, ready for England's, you know, ready for the English throats, we want them gone, total total scrap of the white ball game, all that kind of stuff. I saw it all. It was funny. It was it was quite funny. Um, but perhaps from the types of dismissals, from the way that England went about that game, and the way that we were expecting something huge, expecting a victory after so many weeks of misery, I think you can't blame the England fan for reacting the way they did. Anyway, West Indies went out to bat. You can't really judge too much on a chase of 103 in a T20 game. But Brandon King was sensible in his 52 not out. And Shy Hope, Nicholas Puran were effective in supporting him and indeed the team to the victory in the end. And England winning, sorry, West Indies winning by a massive nine wickets. Um, what you can say about West, the West Indies, though, if you can't judge their bowling, you, sorry, their batting, you definitely can judge their bowling. And their bowling was fantastic. They caught well in the field as well, and they were hitting a consistent, difficult length on that pitch that England just could not get away, or were not adapting to anyway. Jason Holder, man of the match, uh, managed the career-best figures of four wickets for seven runs, which is kind of a Scott Boland leaf book, if you want. So England went into the Sunday game with a point to prove. Uh, they needed to remind people that they were actually 
quite good at the white ball format of the game and that this devastating victory for West Indies was a one-off. We have a different pitch but we have the same result at the toss on that Sunday evening that England were going to bat first. I don't have an issue with that. I think England need to perfect and to tweak their area of setting scores. And if this is a tour where we are looking to to find new talent and perfect issues that we might have in the team, let's bat first. Let's do the thing that we find the hardest. West Indies went into that game completely unchanged. That's not a surprise, really, considering how well they'd gone in the Saturday game. England brought in Reese Topley for timeout Mills, and I think this was there to get the Jason Holder effect. What, uh, what Jason Holder had done well with his height, Reese Topley was going to try and repeat as well. Uh, so England batted first, and they batted much better. Way, way, way better. Jason Roy was back to his best, his aggressive, swaggering self to get his 45. Moeen Ali, who was eventually man of the match, got a bit of a let-off when he was dropped early on in his innings. But with his 31, he helped England accelerate at the exact crucial time. We've got a good power play, but then also when it was key to kick on 11 overs onwards, England did exactly that. Uh, Jordan was once again superb with his 27, the contribution there to take England onto their 170, that in the end was just too much for the West Indies. But, in, but what England did well here was that they, like I said, they accelerated at the perfect time. That Fabian Allen over to Jason Roy was really what kick-started it. And from there, England were gaining the momentum throughout towards the end. Jason Holder, though, reined it in well with the tail when they were batting at the 19th over. For the Windies, though, it was, it was mentioned in the commentary that they, they, they seemed to just abandon what worked well the, the, the day before. That consistent, difficult length, getting into the pitch, being hard to get away, didn't really work this time. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do it, which was maybe they were trying something new. I don't know. But whatever it was, didn't quite go their way. For their batting, though, you, you can say that, 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 that particularly uh, the tail end and Shepard... Romario Shepard will be thinking only what if. Because if their top order had got going, maybe his heroics at the end would not have been needed. Reese Topley, though, was fantastic. Opening the bowling, absolutely fantastic. Swinging the ball. Um, got the hero of the day, Brandon King, out for a duck. Um, and it was excellent in his run out there. I don't know if you've seen it, but the ball... Um, he managed to stop a, a ball that came directly back at him. The batsman ran. Ran? That's not the verb, is it? The batsman ran, and he managed to turn, pick up the ball, and throw in one go, which was really great skill from a very tall man that was coming down from a big height. Um, interestingly enough, though, he would have had a he would have had an LBW decision if he just if he'd actually reviewed the initial connection with the ball, which is a bit crazy to think. Anyway, uh, Nicholas Puran and Darren Bravo, in, with the experience in that that West Indies side, rebuilt. But England's spin twins in Adil Rashid and um, Moeen Ali were the ones that brought England back into the fold and, and managed to up the run rate for West Indies to the point where it was almost too much for them. I want to point out just one over, if I can. Uh, Romario Shepard's first over when he came in, to, and Adil Rashid, I think, got five balls at him. 
And I don't think Romario Shepard picked a single one of them. They were particularly the googly, the last ball of the over. I remember that came out the back of his hand. Romario Shepard had no idea what was going on. Adil Rashid is still an excellent, excellent bowler, um, and, and 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 rightly in the top five of the T uh, Twenty uh, rankings for bowlers. Uh, Adil, um, no, Adil Rashid, Moeen Ali, uh, when he caught Jason Holder, big shout out for that as well. The ball been absolutely smacked back in his direction. Just puts his hand up. Just puts his hand up like that and gets the ball um, comfortably as well. It's almost like it was scripted. It was fantastic um, cricket and great catch. England were all over West Indies, putting the run rate up above 10, which is often the sign of a difficult run chase. But England's issues with the with the death bowling kind of crept back up again. We had some real issues with that in, in the World Cup, notably against South Africa, and of course in the semi-final against um, New Zealand, where we couldn't get the, the run rate down and we were being smacked about the park. It happened again here. Chris Jordan got some treatment, and particularly Saki Mahmood got some tri treatment as well. That, third, that final over, 30 runs were required off it. There were two wides. Should have been three, really, but there were two wides. Uh, and then the final three balls of the innings going for six as well. So that they ended up, after having 30 runs to, to, to win off the last over, only losing by one run. An incredible, incredible achievement by the lower order of the West Indies batsmen. Which means, I think, that England took the victory, but the moral victory probably went to West Indies. I don't think Kyron Pollard will be too upset in losing that game. West Indies, though, will be thinking that they're right in this series. England will be thinking they're right in this series. It's great to have a series going into the third game that's on a knife edge. You know, it's great to see it competitive, Especially after a, a, a month of watching England where it, it certainly wasn't competitive. And seeing two teams that are equally likely to win going into, going into a series. And you know what? It's nice to commentate on and review a, a game that England have won. We might have only just got over the line, but we've won a game. And honestly, it feels like I've never commentated on a game that England have won. <laughs> it, it, I was beginning to feel like it was my fault that we were never winning. West Indies going into the next game, they need to sort out their top order, who comes in where, and what their job is. Because if they manage to do that and ma maintain a consistent run rate, that it would mean that the heroics that came at the end of the game on Sunday were just not strictly necessary. England, on the other hand, will want to get Liam Livingston into that team straight away. But aside from that, they have plenty of opportunities to experiment. They have got play people on the side that are going to be fresh and eager and willing to please. There's opportunities, particularly with another World Cup coming at the end of this year, there's opportunities to get into that squad. Um, I'd really like to see George Garton with the ball, particularly on Wednesday, and I'd like to see Phil Salt open the batting at some point too. Um, and aside from that, that's going to be all from me. I'm going to be back sometime after the 30-20 on Wednesday. Um, big shout out as well, the Ashes test for the women starts on Wednesday evening as well and we've got to keep all of our fingers, all of our toes, all of our eyelids, all of our noses crossed that the weather is actually better than it has been so far in Australia because the washout and the effective washout after four overs has left England kind of on the back foot. So cr cross fingers for some good weather 
in um, in Canberra for the Manuka Oval. Like, subscribe, share, comment on this podcast. Um, if you're in Spotify right now, head over to the YouTube channel and come and see me on there. It'd be great to have you. If you're on YouTube right now, head over to the Spotify channel and go and like me and rate me on there too because that would be wonderful. And until next time, sports fans, bye.